Tyler Bryant Hanley with you till 11 o'clock today here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Reacting a lot in that first hour to what we saw yesterday as half the slate of your championship weekend is set. The Chiefs have stamped their tickets. They will either be playing at home or potentially in Atlanta if the Bills win today against the Bengals because of that neutral site rule that the competition committee and the entire NFL uh, owners voted on for because of the DeMar Hamlin uh, game that we saw unfold. So the Chiefs will either be at home if they're playing the Bengals or they will be in Atlanta taking on the Bills. And then, of course, we saw late last night the Philadelphia Eagles pound the Giants 38-7, to and they know that they will be hosting the NFC title game against either the San Francisco 49ers or the Dallas Cowboys, who play today at 530 in a game that has a lot of historical playoff significance to it because this will be today, Brian, the ninth time these two teams meet in the playoffs, which ties the record for the most time that teams have met in the playoffs. So lots of rich history between the Cowboys and 49ers. Happen to know who uh, has the advantage in that series? I don't. So I was going to say I was just trying. I was just trying to think it through. Yeah. I, I, would, I would guess the Cowboys, but Cowboys I do. Yeah. Oh, look at that! Oh, Our cowboy fan on the other side of the glass, Jake yeah. Cantu. Do you? What's is it? Him. Five and three, Jake, or what's the record? Do you know off the top of your head? He knows the Cowboys have the advantage. Okay. Well, I, and to be fair, Jake's from Texas, right? And he's yeah. from Dallas, I and mean, so you know we can't fault him for where he was born. It's five and three. Okay. Cowboys, and then all time series of Cowboys are nineteen, eighteen, and one. Yeah, I, I don't care so much about the like. I nothing, nothing wrong with giving the stat, but the all time yeah. series. Um, but yeah, so. The fact that we've got that uh, historical rivalry taking place in the playoffs yet again. Um, I'm trying to think. I saw the other matchups yesterday, but it, uh, the one that surprised me. Did you realize, Brian, maybe it's just um, maybe it happened more often early, or earlier in the 70s than I realized. But the Cowboys and Rams have met nine times in the playoffs. Did you realize that? No, I did not. Um, but, you know, I'm not wearing a Tom Landry fedora either. <laughs> no. Was that a fedora that he used to wear? What was the, um, that little hat he wore back in the day? A little fedora, yeah. A little yeah. fedora action. Yeah. Again, I'll yeah. defer to our cowboy uh, our cowboy <laughs> expert in there, Jake Cantu, who's producing today. He is. Are you, uh, you got the nerves going yet, Jake? You feeling okay, or is the, the stomach already a little queasy? I don't know if it's the coffee or the nerves or both, so we'll find out later. All right. Uh, yeah, All right. you're facing Purdy, so you're in trouble. <laughs> I don't know. I he, I do wonder. Um, I feel like at at some point, either this week or next, I think Purdy's going to make a couple of significant mistakes that will end up costing the 49ers. I don't know if the Cowboys will be the you know the team, team that, that turns them in. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, they do have a good defense, but I think either this week or next week, because for all that Purdy has done, as good as his numbers have looked. He has benefited greatly from Kyle Shanahan, you know, being an absolute puppet master, the maestro, yeah. directing him and getting him wide open looks all over the field. And when you throw in the wide open players like George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, good things tend to happen. I think Purdy's been fortunate at times where he's thrown some balls that could have easily been intercepted that haven't always been taken advantage of by lesser defenses in the past. Well, so I, so I, 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 
I think I can safely say he won't look like Daniel Jones of yesterday. No Pro- matter what probably Dallas not. brings. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're probably right about that. I think that's a fair, fair shout. Uh, 312-332-3776. I do want to share some Kevin Warren with the folks, but let's quickly slide in Chad before we do that. Hey, Chad, you're on with Melody hey, Hanley. Good, good morning, gentlemen. I hope you're having a great Sunday. Um, so my question is, you know, and this is obviously being an optimist, and let's say the rebuild goes as planned. They spend the money correctly. They draft correctly. In a year or two, we're a perennial playoff team. Uh, we just saw what happened to Baltimore. We see it happen all the time in the NFL, especially with a mobile quarterback. Whether it be through the draft or free agency, should the Bears prioritize a solid backup quarterback, somebody who, if we're 7-0, 8-0, 9-0, and Justin goes down with a knee injury, we don't become Baltimore, where everything falls off the rails because Justin's gone. Um, I know it's a it's a long rebuild and there's a lot to do, but that's something that I'm always worried about, especially when I see him get out of the pocket. And just wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on that. It listen, it's a great point, Chad, but I also recognize that that is a luxury item that I think you have to solidify the rest of the roster before you start worrying about, you know, now I think it's a fair question. Do the bears, if they're going to address something like that, Brian, do they need to look at a mobile quarterback, maybe in a similar fashion to what the Ravens have done where, you know, Lamar Jackson does get hurt. They go to Tyler Huntley who has some mobility. We saw like, let's be honest, even though they struggled last week, the Ravens still were in that game and had it not been for a catastrophic, you know, fumble at the goal line by Huntley, they very well could have won that game and been playing the Bills today. So I think you need to you need to certainly always be keeping your eyes open. And I, I think, you know, Brian, you can talk about this, Ron the Ron Wolf philosophy of drafting a quarterback every single year to try and, you know, if you get lucky and you hit on a guy, well guess what? You could very quickly, you know, trade him to somebody in the league. That's not a bad philosophy to have, but the truth is you need to also look at the holes on the Bears roster and ask yourself, well, do we have, can we afford ourselves that luxury? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you because it's on the list, but it's way far down on the list for me because in the, you're not, even though 25% of the NFL teams historically can go from the outhouse to the penthouse and be a last place team and at least make the playoffs in the ensuing year, I don't envision that. Now, who knows? I mean, with, with if Aaron Rodgers is in, in Green Bay and, the, the division is now much more wide open than it's ever been. But you could be a playoff team, perhaps. Everything has to go right in this offseason has to be almost perfect. That said, I would almost look for – you have to have a better backup situation than you had this year. So I would almost try to go not so much worry about whether the quarterback backing up Justin is mobile or not, more of a mentor type. You know, been there, done that, who's mm-hmm. willing to, to be here to – do stuff in the quarterback room, which is as important for Justin Fields to, you know, to, to bounce things off of or to give in, input and insight. It's not so much whether you can plug that guy into Luke Getze's um, offense, which is designed for a mobile quarterback. You get to that in a couple of years when you know that Justin Fields is the guy. But right now I would rather have more of a veteran steady hand who's there to answer questions and, and point out things that he thinks Justin can improve upon. Yeah, that's probably the way to go, too, because when you look at it, you're going to want to be allocating, you know, at least those high draft picks, those high draft yeah. assets to other key positions. Like, and sure, you, the thing is, if you, if you see or, you know, you, 
you, you speak with your people, you network, all the draft pros, uh, work that you've done sh- leads you to a quarterback that you think would be a decent late-round flyer, then absolutely go ahead and use the, you know, the Mr. Relevant pick on the next Brock yeah. Purdy. No one's going to object to that because... It, you know, we saw it again yesterday. We talked about it a lot today. Patrick Mahomes, the injury. It only, it only takes one terrible injury, and all of a sudden your season is completely derailed. But at the same time, the way you construct your roster, you have to be aware that you can only throw so much of you know what you have at the quarterback position. It has to be building everything up around him. And sometimes you just got to cross your fingers and hope. I think the veteran next year, the veteran process probably the way to go you know i i would prefer them to try and upgrade over trevor simeon a little bit personally absolutely and and look justin fields isn't going to be threatened by you if you take a flyer in a a late round on a quarterback in the draft he's not you know worried about his job he's got confidence times 100 he Mm -hmm. you know he's not looking over his shoulder for anybody and yet it's not like mike glennon where all of a sudden uh mitch trubisky's being selected and you know what the second overall pick and you just signed for eighteen million dollars. You're like, what the hell's going on here? So that's not the situation. And and whether it's Ron Wolf and and you can't fault his uh, you know career in the NFL as an executive. Maybe you don't do it every year, but you you certainly have to upgrade the backup position in some way, shape, or form this year, no matter how you get it done. But um, you know you're not looking for an insurance policy against Justin Fields at this point. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if two-thirds of this roster is overturned by the time the Bears make their next playoff appearance because, again, there's there's lots of improvements that It might be 80%. Made. Yeah, actually. no, it very well could be. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you talked Bear- about the Eagles and how many guys are left from that, and yeah. that's really what it looks like. Absolutely. Think about it. They won the Super Bowl back in the 2017 season. Oh, so and, long ago. Yeah, And then, sure enough, you know, they're – Back and it's a completely different roster again. Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, everybody else is essentially you know been replaced and overhauled, and they're on to you know different players. So that and that you know what that's okay if you're doing your job correctly as somebody who is a general manager that you're you're hopefully afforded that luxury. Now, what will be interesting for the Bears is just how much the new team president. Kevin Warren, who was previously the commissioner of the Big Ten and also got his start in the NFL with the Rams and then played a key role with the Vikings when he was their team president there in helping to, you know, build up their next stadium at the Bank of America Stadium in Minnesota. Kevin Warren was introduced as the Bears' new team president earlier this week, and he then joined Carmen and Yurko after his introductory press conference. And the guys asked him, hey, you're the team president. Just how involved will you be in football ops? I'll be involved uh, at every single aspect of it, but from a from a partnership standpoint with Ryan and with with Coach Matt uh, to be be able to build the best uh, football product and uh, to ask the questions to, to to bring up issues to see if there's anything in my history resource that can add value. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here to win and I'm not here to who gets credit and who has the final say and all those different things. I'm here to win and for us to be able to work together. And it's easy to be that way when you have people that you trust and respect. And I trust and respect both, uh, Matt, uh, and Ryan, um, and also, you know, George and, and, and Ms. McCaskey. So I'm confident that we will work incredibly well together. We'll have fun. We'll win a lot of games. We'll win championships. And I'm looking forward to get to work. 
New Bears team president Kevin Warren joining Carmen and Yurko earlier this week on ESPN 1000. Got plenty more from Kevin Warren I want to share with the folks, Bri, and I'll let you react to that next on ESPN 1000. If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Many of people have asked me, why the Bears? Why this time? It's because of the, the challenge, the opportunity. I trust Ryan. I trust Coach Matt that we're going to do things the right way. We're not going to take shortcuts. We're going to build an incredible franchise. I came here to win championships, to win the NFC North, to win the NFC, to win the Super Bowl, to help shepherd and lead a stadium development project, to embrace our alumni, to embrace our history and tradition, and to embrace the absolutely incredible Chicago Bear fans. That's the voice of new Bears team president Kevin Warren as he was introduced earlier this week. Meller and Hanley here on ESPN 1000 with you until 11 o'clock. We'll talk with Teddy Greenstein about 1030 to discuss the games coming up later on today. Bri, I have to say, listening to Kevin Warren earlier this week, I was about as impressed as I've been by anybody who was being introduced to Chicago since Theo Epstein. I was hard-pressed to think of somebody who's been more impressive in an introductory press conference since Theo. Anyone come to mind for you? Uh, no, I think he was very impressive. Uh, he, right, He lost me at that, that one, we'll embrace our history and tradition. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Go ahead. I mean, you know, I covered the Blackhawks when the pregame uh, video montage was in black and white because that's how far back you had to go to, to have any history and tradition that meant a damn, right? And, but you have to say that when the when the McCaskies are in the room, right? They, 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 you have to feed that line to them. I mean, George, with every hire, walks them around Hallis's Hall lobby and points to the black and white pictures, and there's Papa Bear, and there's, you know, He's, he's on the sideline with his fedora, and and God bless. That's the, the Bears have been awful for decades. Yeah, I mean, and, and I will point people and recommend, highly recommend Mark Potash's piece in the Sun Times yesterday, SunTimes dot com. Mark's a lifelong Chicagoan. He's lived it, and now you know he's been a, a sports scribe forever. Uh, I, I worked with Mark back in the day at the Sun Times, and he likens this hire, you know, hoping that Kevin Warren is. George, this is George McCaskey's Jim Finks, because Muggs Hallis talked George Hallis into turning the keys of the entire franchise over to an outsider. And that's the last time it was done, really, where he had complete autonomy and authority. And Jim Finks, I mean, he re, he fired the coaching staff, the training staff, the public relations guy. Uh, he, he actually, the Bears used to practice at Wrigley Field and Soldier Field. They didn't have a practice field. I remember Doug Buffon used to tell me stories about they were in the locker room at Wrigley Field, and someone thought, you know, guys weren't taking showers because it's, it stunk so bad in there. And they found a dead rat behind one of the lockers. It just if, – if you have bad facilities, you're going to have a bad mindset. And, you know, that's all changed under George McCaskey. Hallis Hall has a premier uh, facility now, right? So that, that heavy lifting's done. But 
the last 30 years, Mark Potash goes chapter and verse, and we all lived through it. They have four playoff wins yep. in 30 years. I mean, there is no history or tradition worth hugging and embracing and talking about. It's all got to change, and it's got to change really, really quick. All great points. What I will say, and I will also point out that the hiring of Kevin Warren, while I've, I'm very impressed with everything I've heard from Kevin Warren, and everybody who knows him has spoken, for the most part, very highly of him. Have, have, they've given personal testimonials and glowing endorsements of Kevin Warren, and you saw what he was able to accomplish with the Big Ten. We've all seen what he's done in Minnesota, helping them, you know, lay out and plan the Bank of America Stadium, which, you know, if you talk, you start, the more research we start doing about someone like Kevin Warren and you start talking from people around the league, most of them will say it is the gold standard. You know, a lot of people, you know, think, look at SoFi and how much was, you know, poured into that stadium. But a lot of people will tell you that what they did in in Minnesota at the Bank of America Stadium is the gold standard. And so the fact that Kevin Warren oversaw that project is a huge coup for the Bears to land him. Nevertheless, we can't ignore that they, they being the, the Bears and the McCaskies, botched the order of operations here, right? They, they were adding and subtracting outside the parentheses when they should have been multiplying inside by allowing you know the hiring of Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus before getting your team president in place. Nevertheless... Everything I've heard from Kevin Warren leads me to believe that he's going to go about this in the right way. He's going to do everything he can to support Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and help make this a winning organization. And if I think in a couple of years from now, they're not up to the level that Kevin Warren expects, I believe he will make that change if needed. The problem is you would have liked to have avoided that, having put him in place and allowing him to go ahead and do the hiring. They got it wrong. There's nothing they can do at this point. I'm encouraged by the fact that Kevin Warren has laid out, and everything you hear from him, he's laid out the plan for what they're going to try and do. He's going to be there to support them. And uh, one more bite from Carmen and Yurko the other day. They were asked, okay, so when is your football involvement going to start? Is it going to start with free agency? This was Kevin Warren's response. Yes, yes, absolutely. As I said, I was with uh, Ryan in the draft room this morning just talking through just, just high level, see how he sets up things. And I, I'm here as a resource. And so I'll be transitioning out of the Big Ten, transitioning here. I'll have, you know, these regular meetings with, with uh, Ryan and, and uh, uh, Matt and the same thing like I'm doing with Ted, you know, from a stadium and finance accounting operations, just gathering information. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. And, and we'll all be involved and working together and, and hopefully just add value. I just love that he's open, you know, open-minded about everything. He's not, he didn't come in here – you know, getting the top job in the organization and basically, you know, pound his fists on the desk and say, things need to change. We need, he did, you're, you're right in that, Bri, it's, it is the, the, the record of this organization over the past 30 years is pathetic when you compare it to the rest of the NFL, right? They're not amongst the bottom five, but they're probably in the bottom 10 in terms of, you know, winning and compiling, you know, an actual winning tradition. But I like that Kevin Warren Everything he says is the type of leader I want running my organization. So I'm hopeful, finally, the Bears have the right man leading this organization. Yeah, and you played the, the Paul Allen cut uh, from Paul's visit on the station and, and knowing Kevin from those years in Minnesota. And he said he's not a micromanager. He's not going to be, like you said, pounding the table my way or the highway. But there are different ways of managing. We talked about it last Sunday. I, I fully... 
I, I'm very impressed by, you know, he and, and the demeanor of Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. This isn't Phil Emery and Mark Tressman. This isn't a clown car dropping guys off who immediately, you know, are overmatched for the position. See Ryan Pace and, and, um, and Matt Nagy as well. Um, so I think they have the people in place. I do find it interesting, if not a bit humorous, that you know Ryan Poles is sitting in on the interview process for his boss. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that just seems like, to your point, it's a little bit backward, but they have to work together. I get it. But going from Ryan Poles asking Kevin Warren questions and agreeing that he's the guy to now you hear Kevin Warren say, I'm already in the draft room asking him his thoughts <laughs> on know. this. I mean, it's just flip the switch. Tell me, you know, how you're looking at this and, and, and what your thought process is. If anything, it does turn up the heat on Ryan Poles, who this entire season, it's been a complete honeymoon period for him. He's gotten, you know, a full year to do whatever he wants with the roster, to build up that cap space, to basically take the sledgehammer. We all talked about it. Take the sledgehammer to the renovation project, right? Like, it's, that's the easy part. The, de- you know, the demolition, everyone can do that. Ryan Pulse has been, at least he's given himself the opportunity to take a full season to completely demo. Now he needs to move forward and start to rebuild this. And now with Kevin Warren here overseeing things, it's interesting to see how this will evolve uh, Ryan Pulse's gig because, you know, you heard it there, that first, that, that soundbite right there. Hey, I was checking to see how he sets up his draft board. What's, what's he doing? Right now, you know, Ryan Pulse probably, as Kevin Warren came in this week, Felt like he was showing him the lay of the land, right? Yeah. But it's quickly going to flip, whether it's, you know, three months, six months from now. Kevin Warren is clearly going to have the voice of authority in the organization. So Ryan Poles is going to be under a lot more pressure going forward to start to rebuild this properly and get things right. So I can't wait to see it. I think I'm, you know what? I think the more I've thought about it too, after hearing Kevin Warren speak and being introduced, I'm encouraged that they do have someone overseeing Ryan Poles, right? That right. should only help the process. Well, and say what you will about George McCaskey. And, and, and you know, look, he he doesn't have an ego where he thinks, you know, it, that he knows more than he knows. He is not a meddling owner. Nope. And he doesn't get it right and hasn't gotten it right for a long time. But I think he, he's got it right this time, finally. But he's always said, well, the GM reports to Ted and, and you know, basically – I'm here to to just keep organization things going, um, and and that's you'd like to know that he has more football IQ than he does, but he doesn't, and the family doesn't. They inherited this business, God bless them. But he's not dangerous because he's trying to meddle in something he has no clue about. So now I think he's got really smart people around him, and hopefully it all works out. But back to Mark Potash's piece, Jim Finks told Ed McCaskey, the chairman of the team at the time, "You're an owner owned." You know, just stay out of my way. I'll, I'll manage. The coaches will coach. You own. You don't have that situation. So I think they, the the process has played out and everything's laid out to we know that you heard Kevin Warren say it. I'm going to be involved. Mm-hmm. And it's not just to build a stadium. I, I, I'm a football guy, and I've got thoughts on football. Let's uh, slip in James and New Lennox before we get to Teddy Greenstein. James, you're on ESPN 1000. Jimmy? Hey What's yeah. up? No, I'm here. Uh, how you doing, guys? Uh, just got a question for you. Um, most people think the Bears are probably obviously going to trade back. So if and when they do, um, do you think they could get anything more from teams if they take on bad contracts? Like, uh, you know, say they traded back with the Falcons. Would there be any value in 
taking a guy back like Mariota, who's got one year left on his deal and having him be your backup, or if you trade back with the Texans, taking a guy back like Cooks, because uh, his 2024 year, I think, is non-guaranteed. So I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. Sure. No, it's listen, the cap flexibility gives them some opportunities there where if that is the case, like Brandon Cooks actually, actually, no, it's a good point. Like It's not necessarily a bad contract either. When you look at where the Bears are at, he could slot in into onto the roster and you'd be like, you know what? You know, for a make, you know, maybe just for a stopgap, Brandon Cooks would be an upgrade at the wide receiver position. So taking on maybe a little bit bloated, you know, dollar figure for him wouldn't be a bad situation because he immediately would step in and being one of your starting wide receivers. So that's an interesting thought. Um, But the reality is, I think all the leverage, they've got all the leverage they need, right, Bri? They've got the first overall pick. At some point, I'd be stunned if they make the selection at number one, just because at the very least, I think you're going to be able to secure, you know, a pretty high draft pick and only have to move back a, a spot or two and probably end up with this, the guy you would be selecting number one overall. Like, so if you trade back with the Colts, fine, maybe you don't get Jalen Carter, but you're probably going to get Will Anderson. And those guys, for the most part, are the two key defensive players in this draft that you want to focus in on. So if you're the Bears you got to get the extra draft assets and move back to whether it be two or four, you know, or maybe, maybe you work something out with the Cardinals as well. Who knows? Everything's on the table, but I think, I think you got to move back and get something of value for that first overall pick. And I'm with you, but you have to get one of those teams to absolutely fall in love with one of the quarterbacks in this draft. And I'm not so sure. I mean, the Texans, you know, they can take Bryce Young at two because the Bears, unless they make a deal with the Colts and, and someone leapfrogs Houston, you, they have to say, that's our guy. We can't, well, we like Bryce Young, but we like, you know, someone else too. Uh, we can live with either. You need uh, at least one team to absolutely fall in love with the team and, and, and have to move up to make sure they get that guy. No, it's a fair point. I think, though, too, I'll add, you know what, even if they have the good thing about having so many holes across your roster is that if there is a team that falls in love with one of those top quarterbacks, and maybe they're even a little bit you know, farther back in the draft, maybe they're in that 9, 10, 11, or in the teens position, that's okay. You can still get a really good player in the top 10 or the top 15 if you do, if you do the right work and you properly scout players and then get multiple first rounds back. Because if you're trading back with a team that is that far back in the draft, then you're going to be talking about getting you know another first rounder back from a team. So that just sets the Bears up in a position where they can be a good team going forward and have lots of draft assets, which you see, if you get those unknown first-round picks from teams, they could turn into a great winning lottery ticket. Just look what has happened with to the Rams, who have to give their pick to the Lions for Stafford, which is a top-five pick, top-six pick, or the you know the Denver Broncos sending a top-five, uh, top-six pick to the Seattle Seahawks. So if you get those lottery tickets, you never know. You might end up hitting the jackpot. I, I mean, what the what the Niners do with the the draft picks that Ryan Pace gave them? Um, that yeah, I'd like to go back and and you know, I haven't followed that closely. What they parlay that into? I'll have to uh, go back and do the research, but uh, that should be easy to do. I can do that in the break. And up next, we'll check in with Teddy Greenstein. He'll get us set for today's afternoon games and what we need to know in regards to the latest line movement. We'll do that next here on ESPN One Thousand. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000.
Jeff Meller, Brian Hanley hanging out with you till 11 o'clock here on ESPN 1000. We've talked a lot of football today, as we generally do during the football season. I am, Brian, very happy that the teams that won yesterday, the Chiefs and the Eagles, won because I feel like no matter what now, whoever wins today's games, it sets up a fabulous championship weekend. Had either of the Giants or Jaguars won yesterday, I would have been less enthused about the potential matchups for the championship weekend. But because we got the two number one seeds advancing, I feel really good about all the potential matchups coming our way next weekend. No doubt. I mean, you know, Jacksonville's a nice story, and I guess, you know, Trevor Lawrence finally looks like he's the guy. But I'm with you. When you don't have a dog in the in the race anymore, you just want to see the best playing, at, you know, at a high level. And it'll be interesting because, the at least in the early game today, I don't know, you, you've got a banged-up offensive line with Cincinnati, and you've got Buffalo missing – Von Miller, well, we'll see what Teddy has uh, his thoughts on because some of those numbers look interesting to me, and I can't wait to bounce some things off Teddy and see which you know where, where the money's going with these games. Well, it's a perfect opportunity there to bring in Teddy Greenstein of Points Bet. He will enlighten us on what's going on right now here on this Sunday morning. All right, Teddy, Brian set you up here. We've got the Bengals in Buffalo with the Demar Hamlin factor. Looks yeah. like he is probably going to be in the house today. So. Uh, What's it looking like right now between the Bengals and the Bills in the early game? What's up? Good morning, guys. Brian, it's been too long, man. Good to hear uh, your voice, Jeff. Good to join you again. So it's a very interesting situation with the Bengals and the Bills because we've taken more money on the Bengals. I think a lot of people just feel bullish about Joe Burrow, that he's been really the better quarterback um, of the two versus Josh Allen. Uh, and yet the line has been rising during the week. It opened at four, and then it got all the way up to six. The Bills lay in six, and now it's back down to five and a half at points bet. So, um, you know, six is such a key number now with uh, with overtime and missed, missed extra points and all that. So once it hits six, then, uh, you know, we certainly saw some money going back the other way, and now it's settled at five and a half. But it's an interesting clash here because the sharp money is on the Bills, but most of the public money is on the Bengals, and it's normally the opposite. Normally, the public loves the favorites, and the Sharps love the underdogs, so we're seeing a total flip here. You know, Teddy, when you look at that total, too, and I get it's Josh Allen and Burrow, but Josh Allen all of a has been you know, not uh, very secure with the ball of late, and yeah. I don't know. I mean, this game could have a lot of turnovers because you have three-fifths of the offensive line in Cincinnati uh, unavailable. Um 49 seems like a really high total for, for a couple offenses, not exactly you know firing on all cylinders, and maybe turnovers set up short fields. I don't know, but that, that, that total is so high, it screams for me to, to, to take the over, even though I think it could be a 43-point game. <laughs> You've said it just like betters think of it, right? Yeah. When the line seems too good to be true, sometimes we go the other way because right. we're so thrown off by it. But I'll tell you what, so like the, uh, our newsletter is called The Hustle, and we came out with an edition about a half an hour ago. And I do a thing where I say, ask the trader. And our trader is Mike Korn. And he's usually pretty neutral, but on this one, he firmly believes in the under. So I firmly believe in the under because of him. So I'll be that one guy, you know, rooting for, for a lack of points. But 
Yeah, I mean, a couple of indicators there. As you mentioned, the Bengals, major offensive line issues. So, I mean, Joe Burrow is amazing with, with dealing with pressure. We saw it all postseason last year, but it's going to be hard for him to get a ton done. And on the other side, exactly, Josh Allen just you know hasn't looked right. There have just been a few moments here and there where you see turnovers. You also see the unbelievable throws like we did sure. against Miami last week. But I hear you, man. I'm going to be rooting for more like a 24-20 final here. Uh, before we move to the other game, Teddy, I'm curious, did Patrick Mahomes' injury do anything to the future play for the Chiefs, or how was that being handled in your uh, area of expertise? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm going to look at our NFL futures. Um, right now the Chiefs are plus 250, so they are favored to win the Super Bowl. Bills plus 310, Eagles plus 350, and then the Niners plus 450. And and I think you guys were talking before, you certainly were, about it's nice to see sort of the best teams advance. It reminds me of the men's basketball Final Four last year, right, where it ends up being UNC, Duke, Villanova, Kansas. So even if you didn't go to one of those schools, uh, there's tremendous rooting interest. So I think with Mahomes, you know, there was certainly a moment there yesterday where I saw the money line for Jacksonville drop from plus 400 to about plus 220 but the fact that the that the Chiefs were able to win and uh, you know Mahomes was able to play uh, even gimpy I, I don't think affects too much on the future there if you're holding the uh, Chiefs Super Bowl win uh, ticket do you get a little nervous after yesterday with the high ankle sprain moving forward do you dump that if you can yeah, I mean, you certainly think about it because, um, you know, if it's plus 250, that means you're going to get a really attractive price on a cash out. Um, you know, it's not like right now uh, they're plus 300 or plus 400. They are the favorites. It's been interesting, too. You know, one of the changes with winning the Super Bowl uh, odds, the Eagles are now um, ahead of the 49ers. Now, we'd certainly expect that because the 49ers still have to win today. But obviously, before yesterday's action, the 49ers were a solid favorite to get home from the NFC. Teddy Greenstein of Points by joining us here on ESPN 1000 as we get you set for the uh, second half of the champ, uh, divisional round games here, getting you set for championship weekend next week. Mellor and Hanley on ESPN 1000 here. All right, so you led us into Cowboys Niners here. The Niners are at home today. Of course, the Cowboys looked excellent last Monday night with uh, yeah. Dak Prescott putting on a full display against the Buccaneers team that, of course, was just, you know, they, they were fortunate, let's be honest, to play in the NFC South this year. And that's, I think, without Tom Brady there, let's be honest, like that game would have probably, the, the number would have been so much, you know, more in the Cowboys' favor. You would have had to lay a lot more. But the Cowboys looked really good, except, of course, for their kicker, who missed four extra yeah. points. So how does that come factor into everything here with the Cowboys looking Fabulous on Monday Night Football, but of course now they go against a much tougher opponent in the 49ers. Yeah, Jeff, I mean, this one sets up as a more traditional pros versus Joe's game where uh, 58% of the actual bets we're taking are on the 49ers, the favorite, but 61% of the money has come in on the Cowboys. Lots of sharp action on the Cowboys. The Sharps love the Cowboys and the Bills today. They've certainly fallen in love. You know, Last week, it basically bucked every trend. The Cowboys, um, you know, are, are tend to be a bad team on grass. Tom Brady at home in the playoffs is, is untouchable, and all that went out the window by the end of the first quarter. And now the question is, can the Cowboys do it again? I mean, it's obviously an incredibly talented team going up against a rookie quarterback, um, Mr. Irrelevant himself in Purdy. So, 
it's it's a fascinating battle today in terms of the total, Brian. Most everyone I talk to, including uh, our, our best betters, love the over here, and it's 46, 46 and a half. Uh, so the thought here is that it will be um, a bit of a shootout there in San Fran. I know there's only a couple hundred props, but is there one or two that uh, <laughs> is worth putting some money down on? Yeah, I'm going to look at uh, at what I have here. You know, Christian McCaffrey's rushing total has oh, really surged in the last couple of days. You know, I, I got it at 64 and a half, and I checked this morning, and it's 70. So CMC certainly expected to do some really good things today. You know, one thing I've also done is after seeing last week, uh, after seeing Dak Prescott score, I, I'm putting um, anytime touchdowns on all the quarterbacks. I just feel like even the ones that don't, you know, rush that much during the regular season. Uh, once the postseason hits, they're going to be a little more aggressive. So obviously, Jalen Hurts uh, did score yesterday. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did not. But you can get Josh Allen anytime at about plus one seventy-five. And last time I checked, Dak Prescott was still plus five hundred. Hmm. And then another popular one: Debo Samuel rush yards. This one was about fourteen and a half early in the week, and it, it surged up to about twenty and a half now. So. Debo probably needs only a couple carries to uh, to hit that one. Uh, Teddy, I know you guys at PointsBet always take care of your friends out there. Any uh, any cool uh, drops you got going on today? Yeah, my man, we um, have a free bet drop in your account today at five o'clock Central Time. So so check it out at five o'clock. Um, you will get a free bet to use on the uh, second game tonight on the Cowboys and 49ers on a same-game parlay. So if you get there before kickoff, it's going to be pre, or you can wait until the game has already started and do an in-game same-game parlay. So check it out. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Teddy. As always, we appreciate it, man. Enjoyed it, guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ted. Teddy Greenstein of PointsBet getting us uh, all the latest info regarding today's matchups as, again, the uh, Buffalo Bills take on the Bengals in Buffalo. And, of course, the Cowboys are squaring off in San Francisco. Not quite candlestick anymore. It's uh, Santa Clara, so it doesn't have quite the same uh, historical feel that uh, Uh, some of you know, if you will. Having covered games in uh, candlestick, I think I'm still... Defrosting from some of the I mean, the that, old that stick, was, the uh, oh. so okay. So for those who are unfamiliar, because you know I've been to San Francisco a couple of times, and it's just crazy because you know you go to California, you're expecting you know attempts usually, you know you're hoping for temps in the 60s or 70s, but sure. man, you get to San Francisco, you get you get that cold ocean off the Pacific, man, and I mean. Just tell people about it, Brian, because you it was said out you've covered on, well, it, was, it was out on a peninsula, so, I mean, the wind would just whip through there. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's just, I covered baseball games there, and I was cold. And, uh, you know, God bless Chet, Chet Kopic. We, we love Chet, but he, the, the earthquake, he said, we have a shake of the stick. <laughs> that was how he came on the air. Um, but, yeah, that, you know, I haven't been to the, to the newest uh, Levi Stadium, and uh, it's actually closer to San Jose than San Francisco, but... The candle candlestick. I mean, it was a great historical. I covered Bears Forty ers there, and I remember Ditka screaming at a fan. I think that's where he said, "Do you see this?" He threw his gum there. Was that the throwing the gum or the see this? That's your IQ, buddy. And was making a zero with his fingers. Uh, um, but yeah, there there was a lot of lot of good colorful things going on at candlestick. But it was it, it could be a brutal place to to play any sport. 
I actually, uh, Levi Stadium, I actually went out for the opener because they took on the Bears on Sunday Night Football when they nice. opened the regular season there. Uh, and that's, so I actually went to that game. Jay Cutler actually hit Brandon Marshall. I think it was three touchdowns that uh, Marshall yeah, scored yeah, in the comeback. It was, a, you know, it was a crazy game. The Niners thought they had it locked up. And then Jay Cutler was one, actually one of his better moments in, uh, in a Bears uniform. Was. Sunday yeah, Night Football. All of a sudden, people, it was, again, it was the opener. So people were all of a sudden pretty, uh, the opener at Levi. I'm trying to remember if it was the first or second week. I can't remember um, if it opened the season or if it was actually. And yeah, we were all were excited about what that oh, possibly cool. is laid ahead, right? Of course. How could yeah. you not be? Him and Brandon Marshall with that connection. I think it was might have been year two of Mark Tressman, two if I'm not mistaken. Oh boy. Um, yeah. Things <laughs> things quickly unraveled from there. Not quite uh, as good as the opener there. Uh three one two three three two three seven seven six. Meller and Hanley taking you up till eleven o'clock here on ESPN one thousand. A little more football and maybe uh maybe we should should touch upon one of the crazier bankruptcies that uh, came across in sports the other day, which just blew my mind. The more and more details I read about it, I couldn't believe what I was reading. We'll uh, discuss that with a former Blackhawks player. We'll do that next on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Getting back to their winning ways. The Blackhawks have won six of their last seven. What the hell's going on, Brian? They're messing Apparently things they, up. They didn't get the memo. Uh, come on, Luke. They've all, supposed to be, he's supposed to be going for the first overall pick. They've all of a sudden moved past both the Blue yeah. Jackets and the Ducks in the uh, where they sit in their lottery positions. So they need to uh, figure well, my out. Guess is, my guess is Kyle Davidson will take care of that by the trade deadline. I would hope so. so. That uh, yeah, definitely should gonna, be a priority. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, I know the NHL always does their best to help them out, but uh, they should probably not count on winning the lottery just because the NHL loves the Blackhawks doing well. Uh, you should probably do your best to at least uh, optimize your opportunities. Interesting. Last Sunday night, Brian, we, we did our show on Sunday morning, and then I was watching football, and I was blown away watching the bottom line, some of the recap on ESPN. And I couldn't believe that Robin Leonard's bankruptcy was 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 like the lead story on the bottom line. It was like blew my mind. I was like, "Are you kidding me? This is crazy!" And then, I mean, well, listen. I guess you file for bankruptcy. You know, you're in the middle of a twenty five million dollar contract that you're playing out, and you've already filed for uh, fifty million dollars in bankruptcy. Oof. That's uh that's that's significant, my friends. When do you find time to practice? Um, it's and if you see the story, you know, he gets he invests into a, a reptile, exotic reptile farm. Yes. And, and you know, agrees to pay like over a million dollars for 1. this. One point two million dollars for exotic snakes. Yeah. Well, who wouldn't do that? It seems a bargain. You couldn't pass that up. Sound investment. Yeah. And, and you know, what the hell? But I mean, if you wrote the screenplay and you'd be shopping in Los, in Los Angeles for in Hollywood for like 20 years, no one would take this. I mean, it's just ridiculous on its face. But I, so he gets sued for not paying the one point two million from Rennick Reptiles. Mm -hmm. And and then Ben Rennick, who was the reptile master at the time yes. uh, before he was murdered by his wife. Yes. <laughs> Slip that to you, Taylor. And he was the, the, he was murdered by his wife. Did you're strangled by a, a barracuda? I mean, I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, because she was spending too much money and she was afraid he was going to leave them and keep the kids because he had the money and she was opening up spas, were, which were a mess as a business. I mean, it goes on and on, right? Mm-hmm. But I love the countersuit. So then Robert, Robert Leonard's, or Robin Leonard's uh, lawyer actually puts this in a counterclaim to sue Rennick Reptiles. Um, yes. Saying, <laughs> saying, notwithstanding Ben Rennick's death, Rennick was still obligated, persuading to the agreement to monitor, care for, and properly breed the collection, even though he's dead. Yes, you know, he's still he still promised to take care. Of, he like he was the only guy he, Robin Leonard trusted to to keep the uh, the reptile farm going. Yeah, they, and you know, the, yeah, oh, wait, he's dead, but you know, he's still he's still going. I got the paper here. He signed it. He's the guy who's got to make sure they're fed and taken care of. Yeah, the claim was the collection of snakes had lost significant value because they weren't properly cared for. Just a crazy story. Plenty of details to check out. I encourage you to go laugh and uh, check it out for yourself. Uh, thanks so much, Brian. As always, appreciate your conversation today. Always enjoy it. Thanks, Jeff. And thanks to our man Jake Cantu as well behind the glass. Good luck to him and his Cowboys. I know he'll be rooting hard. Uh, Everyone out there, enjoy the football. This is ESPN 1000.